go to John chapter 2, verse 4, because I at least want to give you a couple of principles that I think are big for us to process through. And it's this. Uh, let's read. Um, well, I'll start at verse 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. That principle right there in our memory verse, which is John 2, 4. And when Jesus said woman, it wasn't mean he was being disrespectful. So don't think that he was like woman. You know, it was it's a, the translation. It was more like mother. It was more of something like that. It wasn't woman like being disrespectful. What does your concern have to do with me? Now, at Charles' age, what are some things that people try to make you concerned about that shouldn't even be something you should be concerned about? Um, what's your wearing? Uh, what you wearing? What else? <clears throat> you said something, Pilar. I heard Pilar's voice, I think. Huh? College. College? What's some other things that you're pressed to be concerned about? People's opinions, yeah. What else? Just want to hear from anybody. If that's all we got, that's fine, too. So you can almost see, and that's why my goal is to train you guys that once you leave ninth grade, you have a better and deeper reverence for God's word. And when you leave ninth grade, that you'll be able to say, hey, I was taught to read verses above and verses under. I was taught how to understand verses in context. But the most important thing or one of the most important things that I want you to get out of God's word is how to pattern your life off of principles. What are principles? Important, yep. Can someone look up the definition of principle real quick? I, I love definitions. So can someone look up the definition of principles? Uh, a, fundament, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. Say it one more time. Fundamentals, foundation. Okay, I got it. So systems are important. All of us have systems. Can someone tell me their early morning system of getting ready. What's your system of getting ready? What's the first thing you do? Pray, get on your phone. What else? Yes, sir. Make your bed. Yes, ma'am. Brush your teeth. What else is part of Yes, sir. Pray. What else? Right now, you can already visualize that you have a morning, what they call morning routine. You have a system. There's a quote that says you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What does that mean? I just want to see what your brains immediately think of when you hear that phrase. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What does that mean? Yes. You like have a routine, so you just do that. You're not like doing anything to progress it or make it. That's good. Better. Yeah. Anybody else? So now, <clears throat> when you walk into a building a 20-story building, like, how do you get to the top? If your goal is to get to the 20th floor, how do you get to the top? Elevate. Elevate. So 
elevator is a system. So if you fall to love your systems, your systems take you to the top. So if you have a successful morning routine, it's going to take you to the top of your day. If you have an amazing night routine, it takes you to the top of the morning. So when you go into a building, your goal is to get to the top. You say, I must take the elevator. Now, who's going to climb the side of the wall? Nobody's going to climb the side of the building. That is not the most efficient way to get to the top, right? Sometimes you got to say, you know what? I'm going to create a system that when I push a button, it takes me to the top. So we all have systems. And the real question I have to ask yourself, are your systems successful? Like right now, is, does your morning routine really help you have great days? Does your night routine really help you have great mornings? Does your Bible reading prayer routine really uh, deepen your connection? Do you have mental health routines? Do you have emotional health routines? Like, do you have those systems? Because principles are fundamentals. Now, why are fundamentals so important? What's a fundamental? <laughs> Say it again, Swear. Something important, yes. Uh-huh. Basics. The basics. Important basics. So fundamentals of basketball is what? Dribbling with the left hand, dribbling with the right hand. Fundamentals of makeup is what? I don't know. I'm trying to just trying to reach everyone in the room. Right? All right, good. That's a good fundamental of makeup. And what's another good fundamental of just... Basically, what I'm trying to say, there's fundamentals or important basics of everything. Now, unfortunately... No, you're good, family. Unfortunately, people love to be flashy. You ever played ball against a person who had all the crossovers, all the step backs, but couldn't make a layup? You ever met a person that talked big but didn't walk far? Like, they are flashy, but they're not fundamentally sound. So, a principle is something I do fundamentally every day that becomes foundational systems. And so, when you look at God's word, there are principles that if I pattern my life fundamentally and create foundational systems, I can't help but be successful. So obviously, Jesus was about his what? He always stood on what? What's the phrase? You say he stood, he stands, stand or stood? He stand on business? Yeah, he stood on. So he stood on, stands on business to this day, right? <clears throat> so obviously, Jesus was like, I'm just having a good time. You know, I got this big ministry I'm about to start. I'm about to change the world and you want to come to me about a concern. In life, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to bring their concerns to you. One of the biggest concerns we said was the first one was what was this? What we wear? How is that an unnecessary concern? How can that be concerning to someone who's not focused? You picked it, right? What do you think? But it looks great to you. Yeah. So why are you going to let that concern you when it's like, man, it's, I'm, I'm fresh? Because, um, well, you know, if I did care, you okay. know, I would like, I would want to, like, I would feel like that people don't think my outfit is going to make me feel like less confident in what I'm wearing. You know, that's what it's about. That's if you did care. Now, what about college? Some of you all right now already getting it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you go. To be honest, I mean... You don't really need to be, like, you need to have the mind that, yeah, I had to get my grades right for a college, but at the same time, you just don't have to pick a college. I feel like that's the thing that they start, they just really be asking right now, like. Ninth grade, yeah. Yeah, like, where do you want to go? I don't know. I just, I have a few options, but I don't know yet. 
And it's crazy. Who's all feeling that kind of pressure right now? Where you're like, man, I, it, it, whether it's personal, whether it's from a peer, whether it's from a parent, how many people feeling that pressure about college right now? Right? Or how many people feeling pressure, period, right now? Of something that you like, man, I'm just a baby. You remember that, that on, on TikTok? When that, y'all ain't seen that Instagram? Y'all, y'all Instagram made my Instagram? Y'all ain't see that when the mom was like, uh, when I tell you to cross, when I tell you, to, when I tell you something, you have to listen. And she was like, but I'm just a baby. And then she said something and then she yelled, but I'm just a baby. So y'all just nothing but some babies. So y'all like, man, why is that so concerning right now? But when you understand more and more about your life, I got separate. Come on, Chris. Just move to the desk big time. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. So when you in ninth grade, like that college shouldn't concern you. I'm speaking as someone that's on the opposite side of the fence. So when I talk to people that's younger than me, right? I have some years in my life to say, you know what? College ain't really that much if you're not trying to be a doctor, lawyer, like, like college is overrated. Like, you pay all this money to get in debt. Sixty, a high percentage of people who graduate college don't even get a job. Imagine going to school for four years, and the world changes every four months. The teachers don't get extraly educated about how the world is spinning. And all of a sudden, when you graduate, the world is different than what you was taught. So if you was a company, your business, would you hire someone with four years of experience or four years of college education? Experience. Experience. Why? So the crazy thing is we focus so much on being educated, but true education is experience. Have you even experienced you yet? Have you even experienced the entrepreneurial gift in you? Have you even experienced the, the gift that you have of caring for kids or the gift you have in whatever? The more, that's why I don't necessarily like school system. That's why my job, my goal down the road is to create my own school. I don't know if I'm going to call it as he, uh, I don't know what I'm going to call it. <laughs> but I want to create my own school where you focus more on your God-given gifts. Like school should be two hours of basic academics. You should, you should have science for 20 minutes. <laughs> You should not have no science homework, no history homework. That's just my opinion, right? You, you should have English for like an hour on one day, and math for another day, and then all that should stop by the time you get to ninth grade. Why? Because you should be tapped into your gifting. And the thing about it is, is that if you don't experience you, and all you go through is education, and you never were educated about yourself, now you're going to be pressed to go to an institution that God never intended. So, a lot of things going to come to you that's going to make you feel concerned. What was the last thing? People's opinions. People's opinions shouldn't concern you because they don't have the understanding or the bandwidth to even comprehend who you are. So some of us, we're, 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 people are coming to, I'm concerned about, and they bring their opinion, and now you're concerned about someone's concerns of you. Some people right now are, are burning with the concerning of relationships. But we see that Jesus said to her, Mom, what does your concern have to do with me? <laughs> wine ain't my problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they out of wine, they didn't do it well. And so in life, you got to be able to adopt that phrase. What does your concern have to do with me. 
So I want you to think about it today. What is concerning you? What is weighing your mind down? What has got you nervous? What has got you up at night? Your nights turn to mornings and you don't know when you fell asleep. You just knew you. What is that that's concerning? Because God is saying, man, what does that have to do with you and us and me? Now, what did you say? The second part says my hour has not yet come. Now, of course, mama going to make we um, of course, mama made him not made him do it, but she was mom enough to make him say, you know, I'm going to turn this water to wine. So I understand that. But I want you guys to understand a principle in this verse. Number one principle is not everything that's concerning should be concerning. Not everything that someone brings to you should not take up your space mentally. Like imagine how many of y'all burnt so much energy based upon other people's opinions. How many days have you wasted? How many days I've wasted being concerned about how other people view me? And the second principle is knowing when is your hour. Let's transition that and then I'll be done. Now, what do you think that phrase means when he said my hour has not yet come? What hour was he talking about? Uh, hmm? His ministry? Say it behind you, sir. Uh, that's probably wrong. No, say it. Yeah, you was right. <laughs> Let's get up the ladder. She was right. Hey! You was right, baby girl. Don't ever, don't ever uh, suff, uh, silence your voice. You was right. The hour of his crucifixion. Now, he says, my hour has not yet come. Now, why was he, why did he say that? That my hour has yet to come. Like, like, what, what, what do you think he was meaning by that? Now, y'all, some of y'all, who has a game tomorrow? Basketball game tomorrow. Um, who has a special event this weekend that you know your parents already say y'all going to, right? That's an hour. Now, for instance, all my ball players, game time is what tomorrow? Ladies, what's y'all game time? Y'all know it's about 6 o'clock, 7.30, 6. Some of y'all may have an event on Saturday at 5 o'clock. Now, that hour is the hour of that thing happening. But that hour doesn't come by itself. Now, how many hours of practice do y'all have a week, typically? Two, four, six, eight. About 10 hours on average. Those 10 hours are connected to that hour. So what Jesus was saying was, man, if I turn this water to wine, the time starts ticking. Because Jesus ain't really started his ministry yet. Jesus was, you know, out here just chilling. You know what I'm saying? He's like, all right, man, whatever is my time. But he knew, just like you knew, when you fell in love with the game of basketball, when you fell in love with business, when you fell in love with that thing, you knew the time started ticking. And so when Jesus was face-to-face with his mother and she stressed, concerned, because culturally, if you ran out of wine, you're going to be talked about for about a year. We talked about how these weddings lasted for days. This, like, American weddings or modern Western world weddings only last for like two hours. Man, these people party. You know what I'm saying? These people, these people, well, not like, 
Maybe not like how we, well, they turned up. You know what I'm saying? They, they partied. They had wine. Culturally, respectfully, they, you know, they enjoyed themselves for six, seven days. Imagine. Now, y'all, imagine y'all going to your auntie house. <laughs> and your mama said, you know, the auntie house, you're like, man, I don't really feel like going to. And you get you stuck there for seven days. While mama in there enjoying herself, you in the room with your cousin, they aggravating and stuff like that. And that's what was going on. So when they if they ran out of wine, you saw it in the video, the, the rich people be like, oh, this ain't. The Joneses don't know. These people don't know how to party. You know, I don't know what's going on here. But Jesus knew that if he turned this water to wine, what was going to happen? Word was going to spread. See, they didn't, they didn't have distractions like we had distractions. Like when, when a wedding happened, the whole city showed up. Like right now, if, if, your, if, a fa- if, if uh, your favorite rapper comes, all of y'all not going to go to that concert. You're going to be like, man, that's not my favorite rapper. You know what I'm saying? But back then, if a rapper came, if, if someone came in town, everybody said, I'm going to at least go see. I don't have no TV. I don't have no cell phone. I don't have nothing. So we're gonna, we all going to talk about it. So Jesus knew. Soon as I turn this water to wine, the clock starts ticking. So Jesus knew that these hours from the wine to the time he was crucified, he knew his hour was about to come. Now, what are some things you must do to prepare for your hour? Now, let me first expound on what an hour is. The pinnacle of Jesus' life was the what? What was it, Layla? You said it already, sweetheart. And why was the crucifixion so important? Why was that the pinnacle of purpose for him? He will save us. The wait, right? Now, here are the stages of purpose. You got perspective. Practice, proximity, peak. Can someone break that down for me? How is that the process of purpose? You got perspective number one, and I just made this up. You got practice number two, you got proximity number three, and you got peak number four. Can someone break that down for me? I'm going to get your mind stirred up this morning. Perspective, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the way. Perspective. How is perspective... Why is perspective important when it comes to purpose? Yes. Because depending on how you view something, um, it will affect the way that you go at it. How you view something will determine how you go at it. So first off, I was 19 when I began to have the right beginning stage perspective on my purpose. When I was in Oral Roberts University in my dorm, I heard a story before, I'm pretty sure. I was looking out of my uh, uh, window, looking at students going to class, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, if you don't fulfill your purpose, what would happen to them? That moment, my perspective shift. It was no longer about me anymore. It wasn't wasn't about how much money I could make. It was about, I got to fulfill my purpose. Now, if I don't view myself correctly, how can I fulfill my purpose? Some of you all right now are struggling with insecurities, you're struggling with inadequacies, you're struggling with your self-worth, and you don't have the right perspective. But Jesus' perspective was so solid. He knew his mom and dad left that day. He knew they left. 
Even you saw it in the video and chosen. He looked up to the cathedral, say, Do you not know I'm supposed to be my father's business? He had a perspective at 12. Do you even have that perspective in you 14, 15? The earlier you get a perspective on your purpose, the greater chance you're going to find yourself at the peaks. That's why you can't just get, I mean, put your own game about school, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Get your A's if, if, if you're good at getting A's. Like, if you're just a natural, you wake up and get an A, man, you're gifted. You know what I'm saying? You roll out of bed and you look at a sheet of paper, like, because the school system, and it's not a bad thing. The school system is built for super analytical people. People can look at papers and look at numbers and their brains work like that. Those are typically your engineers. Those are typically your people who are just uh, 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 just gifted when it comes to like sitting down, working on stuff. How many people in this room have somewhat been close to being diagnosed with ADHD? <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, that's for the creatives. You know, ADHD is a title given to people who can't sit still. So when you begin to understand, hey, maybe this system is not built for me, they'll try to label you something so that you'll be like the others. So school is not bad for those who are analytical, who are able to do, 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 and, and what's up. But if you're stressing about grades or you're stressing about uh, a success in a system that's not built for you, then my friend, you'll be too drained to develop the right perspective. And yes, the devil is a genius. He surrounded you with parents. He surrounded you with people. You can't even go to a cookout without somebody saying, oh, what school are you going to? <laughs> what you going to be when you grow up? You want me to ask you? Let me tell you something. Never listen to people who don't have the results they're trying to get you to have. If they didn't go to college, why listen to them? Because they don't understand college. Like I went to college. I, I know enough of college to say, you know what? That's why I dropped out in my junior year. It was a waste of time. For me. I'm not saying for you. That's just for me. But the goal is, and I'm not poo-pooing on college. I'm just poo-pooing on college for people that college wasn't for. But if you don't have the right perspective early, man, I'm, when I hear about, and, and I go put everybody's business, but the stuff that y'all tell me about y'all giftings and talents and stuff, man, I'm like, yo, that's good. You know it early. Don't neglect that. Go forward. You know what I'm saying? So perspective. Why is practice so important when it comes to purpose? <clears throat> You got the perspective. Once you get the perspective, now it's time to practice. What, what does that mean to you? Um, I guess it helps you learn like, what you're able to do. Mm. See, all of us are gifted. But not all of us will give gifts. We're all gifted. My nephew's gifted with height. Carlos gifted with height. That's a that's a gifted. Like I'm gifted with something that most people say basketball or whatever, right? Some people they look at you, oh, that person's gifted with style. Now, just because you gift it doesn't mean you a gift it. Everybody in this room is gifted with something, but will all will it will all of you all ever gifted? Like Jesus was unknown from 12 to 30. How many years is that? 18 years, this man, we don't know what he did. But I bet y'all know what he was doing. Practicing. Because just because he was gifted to be the son of God, 
Just because we're gifted doesn't mean we'll gift it. In order for me to gift it, I have to practice it. Yes, I'm gifted to speak, but if I don't work on my speaking, I can't really gift it in a way that people receive. Now, you determine the value of your gift when you gift it. <laughs> Imagine you're, you're, you're 14 years old and you go to Coach K, not Coach K, but whoever, some college coach, you'd be like, here's my gift of dribbling. And you're dribbling off your knees. Here's my gift, though, man. I, I'm, see, I'm, here's, I'm athletic, but you have no basketball IQ. If you're athletic, the goal is to take that gift and to enhance the value of that gift. If you are a communicator, your goal is to take words. Like, if you're a communicator, you got to be around words all the time. If you're creative, you got to create all the time because that increases the value of the gift. Now, the Bible says your gift does what? It makes. There you go, my brother. Yes, sir. Go ahead. It makes. Uh, uh, wait, I, oh, I said it. Yeah. It makes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm at the Wait, ba- no, no. My bad. I put the Baptist in there. I'm no, sorry. I didn't mean it. No, I just had it, but they just. My, that was my fault. That was me. That was me, not you. Your gift does what? Makes room for you, right? What does that mean? Your gift making room for you. What does that mean? Now, little gift, little room. <laughs> no gift, no room. Big gift, big rooms. I appreciate what Minister Chapman said yesterday. That's, a, if, that's one of those lessons you, you tuck away and you carry it all the way down and give that lesson to your grandkids. That's that type of lesson. That in this generation, no, do, no disrespect, in this culture, I'll say culture, not generation, everybody is more prone to talk about what they deserve but they have nothing to serve. I can't get mad if certain people don't invite me into certain rooms because I haven't reached that level. Now, I ain't trying to get in no rooms where you got to bend over and, and you got to sell your soul. Those rooms, those tables, I ain't trying to eat from. Right. All right. So I want to make sure I make that clear. You know what I'm saying? Don't 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 be that valuable. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to do what T.D. said, but you, you don't want to be swallowed. Right. And so. So when you begin to understand that there are certain tables you don't want to eat at, right? <laughs> You'll begin to understand. I might have to cut that out. My, <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want the Illuminati after me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, I'm cut by the blood, but you got to be smart. So, but you have to ask yourself, what do I provide? Now, Coach Mel uh, shared something in his story the other day. Today, this morning I saw. It was profound. He said, the guy in the video said, coaches don't determine the roles. The players determine the roles. What he was saying was, if you're in practice and the coach doesn't see that you are that you are able to get that shot off from that corner three, eight times out of ten, he's not going to trust it in the game. What he what that person was saying was, it doesn't matter what you do in front of your friends when the coach is out of the gym. Coach, man, yesterday I gave him a step back. That was so crazy. Coach gonna be like, I ain't see it. 
I ain't see it work either. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see your confidence with it, right? And so when you begin to understand that I got to make sure that my gift is so valuable, man, people pay me thousands of dollars to talk to me. Like people, like, like, like this ain't a game. Like me being here is, is with all due respect, it's because God sent me here and it's because of y'all. I love y'all so much. It's going to be hard to leave y'all. I'm telling you. When, it, when it's time for me to go, it's going to be hard to leave this school because I love you all. I'm not saying I'm leaving. No, I'm not saying I'm leaving. But I'm saying what I am saying there is going to come a day. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. When that bag drop, when you cross that six, seven, eight figures, man, I have to go. You know what I'm saying? I got to get, I got a kid now. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to, I'm always going to be in y'all's life. Like, but I'm not saying I'm leaving anytime soon. But if the day comes where it's like, all right, man, it's time for you to do what you got to do, then I'm going to have to go because my gift done reached the level. But I want you guys to have that mentality where you say, man, okay, is my gift that valuable for that level? What can I offer the Raptors? <laughs> like, if you can't, who's the worst team in the NBA? The, uh, the Hornets. It's cool. I understand. If you, my thing is, not everybody has the gifts to offer the top teams in a league. But if your gifts can't even be valuable to the, the weakest team in a league, you ain't valuable. Now, let me tell you something. When I used to work at the YMCA downtown, the Hornets, some of the Hornets would come in there and play. This was when I worked at the YMCA like 12 years ago. Bro, there'd be this guy giving everybody buckets. We didn't know who he was. I don't even think he had a jersey in the stadium. But he was like, I play for the Hornets. I said, you play for the who? <laughs> the 15th man, the 15th man on an NBA team is 10 times better than 98% of high school players, college players. That guy may not be on the court because his value may not be there, but his values in practice, his values in those trainings. Like I got a guy who played for Oral Roberts, and now he, he works as one of the training coaches uh, for the Timberwolves. He'll give everybody buckets to this day because just because he's not LeBron, not, just because he's not Booker, just because he's not whoever, doesn't mean, doesn't mean he, can't, he won't give you a bucket. So the thing is, what can you offer the league? Now, what are all the different levels of jobs in a sports team? You got, you got the marquee player. Pick a team. Marquee player is like the, uh, the main person. Like, huh? Texas State? You want to do that? Okay. Who, so Texas State has a marquee player, right? So they have one, maybe have one or two players who are like the dollar players, right? Oh, yeah. Then you have the rest of the team. Then you have a coach, assistant coach, caretaker. caretaker. You have a person that drives the bus. You got the people that take the money at the, at the game. So in one ecosystem at Texas State, you said Texas State, right? They have 200 people. I saw a girl it was so funny. Someone sent me a, a video of a girl who said, uh, uh, that's that's y'all's warning. I ain't even gonna say nothing. And you know, we in the middle of the word now. Now, listen. There was this video that went around 
I lied to y'all, didn't I? Yeah. Preachers always be lying. Yeah. I ain't, I'm only going to be 10 minutes, y'all. <laughs> that boy's been going on for 30. But I'm, I'm about done. I'm about done. That's another lie. But I'm about done. All right. So there was a video that was sent to me of a girl who said she dated a guy who wanted to go to the league. And she said, I made it to the league before him. She, she's a photographer for NBA team. That was a joke. She was like, I dated this guy who broke up with me, said he's going to the league. But I made it to the league and he didn't. If you work for a team, you quote unquote made it to the league. <laughs> you might not be a baller. What I'm trying to say is just because your gifting is not up here doesn't mean your gifting can't be anywhere in here. Right. So what I'm saying is, is when you add value to your gift, the rooms open up. You can't expect big time people to want to sit around little time people. You don't big minded people. Man, I am allergic to certain mentalities. What happened? What's going on? They doing it again? Oh, OK. okay. So per- perspective. That means you got to have the right perspective of you. You got to have the right perspective about the opposite sex. You got the right perspective about money, the right perspective of everything. If not, you're going to fail because God owns the original intent of everything or purpose. The devil doesn't have the trademarks. He doesn't have the copyrights. God owns it. And so if you go into everyone else to find out who you are, my friend, you ain't going to know what to practice. Practice puts you in proximity. What does proximity mean? Near. Yeah. What would you say, swear? Dang, girl, you went deep. Both of those are good. Proximity means, like y'all both said, it's now it's real. I'm in my space of purpose and I'm near my purpose. Now, Jesus' proximity was Galilee. What was the peak of his purpose? What city was his peak? What city was where everything went down? Jerusalem. Proximity was Jesus' Galilee. Galilee was where he was, you know, it was just the preseason. You know what I'm saying? It's like these games don't count. The healings count, but this don't really count as much. It's the preseason. The Bible says when he faced Jerusalem, we knew it was time. So what am I saying? Do not be concerned about things that shouldn't be concerning you. Concern yourself with your hour. Hour of power. Hour for the tower. Hours not sour. Whatever rhyme scheme you want to put with it. You and I are heading, hopefully, towards our hour. An hour doesn't mean 60 minutes. Because the crucifixion didn't last, like, it didn't last 60 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, but an hour is, a, is like a, a, um, a metaphor or something like that that lets you know season. Season of dominance. What arena do you want to dominate? That's what I want you to think about. The Bible says, be fruitful. Hold on. Be fruitful, multiply, something like that, and have what? We as believers are supposed to dominate industries. Give me somebody in the Bible 
Old Testament, because if I say, y'all going to be like, Jesus, but somewhere in the Old Testament that dominated their industry. Samson dominated who else? Moses dominated who else? Abraham dominated who else? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Who else dominated? Huh? David dominated. I'm looking for one person specifically. Not, not your side. You good, you good. You close though. Joseph. Joseph. Now, Joseph, <clears throat> what was Joseph's gift? Dreams. Dreams sometimes produce what? Strategies. Insight. This man been dreaming since he was in his dad's house. The boy was so good at dreams that. And one thing about your gift, what did his gift do? He was in prison, right? Here's the palace. Joseph was in prison. His gift got him out of jail. How many of y'all about to preach like a Baptist priest? How many of y'all in jail now? And your dream is the only key to unlock you out of it. Amen. 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 How many of you all are in a prison that only your dream can get you out of? Me. Right now, you guys are dreaming, but because you're surrounded by screaming, your dream dies. So Joseph's dream did what? Got him out of prison. Grandma said, got him out of prison. Now, why was his dream needed? Let me tell you something about you and I. You go, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. We need to hear it. Nah, you, you, was, you was in proximity. Don't say, formulate it. You good with words. Not only did his dream get him out of prison, and we're going to get to the, remind me of the bloodline, right? His family. His dream got him out of prison, but what makes you and I different is that the world, the people in the world has a limit. What makes me money is that the people in the world and some believers have a limit. They can't go no further. What I mean by that is, is that when you're in a place where you're able to say, or when someone, who was, who was the king of that time? It was Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't interpret. Do you know rich people, successful people, will pay you a lot of money to solve their big problem. How, how many of these kings was like, when John the Baptist got a head cut off, oh, she was dancing in front of the king, and she was like, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. David, when David defeated Goliath, Solomon gave, we'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Kings will be like, yo, you solve my problem? Because if you solve a king's problem, you solve a kingdom's problem. So not only if you solve one man's problem, You'll solve their business problem. If you're going to be helping little babies and you go into a hospital and you're the dreamer, you will save a whole hospital's problem. So when you understand, hey, I got to get out of prison first. 
I got to lose my dream to unlock me out of prison because I got a dream that will solve a big person's problem. And the dream didn't stop there. The dream was not only a dream that Pharaoh was like, man, you interpret my dream. Do you know Joseph was vice Pharaoh? <laughs> What's the vice president? Uh, so what, a vice president is second in command. So Joseph, think about this. Was Egyptians Jewish? Were Egyptians racist? They were racist. Why? They had his people enslaved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when people say, oh, I'm a black person in a white person's world, or I'm a, a person from another country in America, like, it don't matter what skin color that person has. If you got that person's problem, Joseph went from being a Jewish boy in prison to being a Jewish vice pharaoh, all because of his ability to interpret dreams. Did he just interpret a dream? What did he, what, how did he interpret that dream? Uh, yep, yep, you done started. Yeah. Uh, like, like, his interpretation did what? His interpretation provided what? Uh, food, food? In other words, what that word again? Systems. Mm -hmm. These people make a lot of money. The people you don't see. The people who created the algorithm for these apps, they are rich, rich. The people who created the systems, Joseph not only interpreted Pharaoh's dream because he would only got paid for that one day. Thanks for the interpretation. Oh, you're welcome. Going back to prison. He said, not only do I have the interpretation, I have the systems. Pharaoh said, I'm going to put you in charge over your interpretation. <laughs> Boy, I'm preaching today. You'll catch it by the time you're 33. I'm just joking. <laughs> so not only did his dream get him out of prison, his dream solved the big king's problem. His dream also did what? Provided for his family. Bloodline. Could it be that the people, it's crazy how the people who talk crazy about your dream is the ones that will be saved by your dream. <laughs> boy, I ain't no, boy, I don't got no notes. All I got is a Bible. This, the Holy Spirit is teaching. Joseph, the people that's laughing at you, your mama going to benefit from that dream she laughed at. Your daddy going to benefit from the dream they laughed at. He laughed at. Your siblings are going to benefit from the dream they laughed at. So keep dreaming because he or she who laughs last laughs best. I ain't talking about laughing at them like you trash. I'm talking about like joyful laughter. Because what did Joseph say? What you meant for evil. Well, you felt that lately. You felt that too, Brielle. Brielle started shouting. <laughs> What the devil meant. So are you going to be able, after your dream has manifested, are you going to be able to say to that brother, to that sister, to that mother, to that father that said, you know what? I love you, but what you meant for evil? Because what's the point of having a dream if you're bitter? What's the point of having a dream if you're unforgiving? God can't use you here. Because you could be the very person that God is trying to use 
to save your bloodline. Jesus could have been bitter. Jesus could have been like, you know what? Y'all the ones going to hell. I'm not. <laughs> Jesus could have been like, you know what, man? Forget these folk. Imagine you laying on your back on that cross. And a dude that's nailing your left hand in, you know their whole story. Imagine you be on that cross and you know everyone's voice that's mocking you. You was the one that formed them with your own hands and they're talking about you. If Jesus did not say these words, he would have been unfit for the cross. What did he say on that cross? Father, what? What I'm trying to say now is be too preoccupied on your dream to be better. Because your dream is going to get you places. If you let it. So Jesus said, man, woman. Why are you concerning me with this? My hour has not come. Why are you concerning me about what I'm wearing? Why are you concerning me about college? Why are you concerning me about these opinions? My hour has not yet come. So if you learned anything today, I pray you learn. Number one, keep dreaming. Number two, find out the reason why you're here immediately. I wouldn't, if you don't know why you're here, I probably wouldn't, I would, I would, if I was you right now, you don't know why you were sent here, I would delete all your apps off your phone. I would tell your friends, I'll call you when I call you. I'm going to unplug my TV and put it in the basement. I'm going to remove all distractions until I find out why I'm here. Because one day, you're not going to be here. And one day, you're going to be face to face with God and God's going to be like, what did you do down there? That's why I go so hard every day. I only had two hours sleep last night, but I had to give you all this word because today might be my last. It ain't going to be my last. It ain't going to be my last. But what I'm saying is you, those who live their life as if tomorrow's not promised are productive today. Those who live as if tomorrow is promised, they procrastinate today. Because my friend, one day your last day will be your last day and you're going to have to stand before your maker. And he's going to ask, what did you make? Any thoughts, comments, questions? We're good to go? Yeah. All right. You said what now? Some of the best messages you don't even prep for. But it's uh, one day. I might do that. I think I'm up next week. So we'll see. But this, this was a good one. This was good for me.